Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is, oh my goodness, September 2021. Where is the year going? This is one of our longest running SAP Game Changer shows, Changing the Game with Digital Engagement. Shout out to Kirsten Boylow at SAP, longtime sponsor and her new showrunner, Sylvie Lexow, who's with us today. So let's get started. Okay, I have a buzz quote, open with the buzz from net-results.com. It's a blog, listen up. Automated emails, triggered emails, drip email marketing. These are phrases often used by people considering using a marketing automation system. That's our topic today. Let me give you a little more background here. The common thread is email, and we all know where there's email. Unfortunately, there's probably spam. Plenty of marketers are willing to cross that line to try to generate more leads. How well they're renting lists full of bad addresses and unqualified prospects. You've probably been on some of those lists. They get too aggressive with frequency and offers, and it amounts to nothing more than they're impatient and they want a quick win and easy return. Oh, my goodness. And the article says, and I'm quoting, acting on that desire can bite you squarely in the I'll leave that one alone. So let's do a little more about the background before I ask my esteemed guests to introduce themselves. The good news, overcomplicated processes, underqualified leads, little customer data, or the use of personalization lack thereof are a part of the past thanks to what we're talking about today, marketing automation. What is it? It uses technology to streamline and improve the efficiency and efficacy of your marketing efforts. It allows you to target your audiences better and provide them with relevant content. That's what you want, that's what they want at the right time in the buyer's journey. And we all know from so many shows over the years that the buyer's journey has changed dramatically, dynamically. As we're speaking, it's changing. People are doing their own research. They're doing their own lookups. When they get to a real live person or maybe a bot pretending to be a live person, they already know an awful lot about what they think they want to buy from you. But some people say that marketing automation is almost too good at its job because as soon as a customer or prospect shows a little bit of interest in your product or your service, bam, Spam. That's what we're going to say. A slew of, un- I made that up, Neil liked that. A slew of uninvited, spammy promotional content starts appearing, and we all know, and we've been the victims of that, and it's not fun. Do they get annoyed? Do they click off? Do they abandon their journey with you? It's possible. So the question on the table today, and Carell is, is nodding. Yes, we've got a, got a good panel. They're agreeing with me. Has marketing automation transformed the industry in the right ways? Does it do its job too well? That is a possibility. How will the inevitable cookies-less web impact the benefits of marketing automation? We have, I'm going to ask you all to raise your hands when I call your name. Neil Schaefer at PDCA Social is back. Neil, welcome. You're a regular on the show. Always happy to have you. We have a newcomer, Kirill Kanazev at Modally. Did I get that all right, Kirill? It's all phonetically spelled out in my notes now. Thank you very much. And Alicia Sigmiller at SAP. Alicia and I worked together years ago, and she's finally on a radio show. It's about time, Alicia. And we're going to ask them for their take on out with the old, in with the new, marketing automation, beneficial 
or spammy. So welcome, welcome, welcome. As we said, the best run SAP. So if you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place today. Let's go around the table and get introductions. Panelists, please take about three minutes. Tell us who you are, what you do. In your case, Neil, talk to the 6.37 people who don't remember you from last time and shame on them. Tell us a little bit of what your role is, what your company does. And also, please, Neil, and then Kirill and Alicia, what is your passion for our topic today? Neil, I'm putting you on speaker view. It's all yours. Go ahead. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Neil Schaefer. I am the CEO of PDCA Social. My company offers fractional CMO services, so it's digital marketing consulting. I'm also a digital marketing author of four books, speaker, and uh, consultant and what have you. So I'll hand it over to the next person. Well, wait a minute. I want to know what's your passion for marketing automation, Neil? Uh, Come on, you're here. Do you believe in it? Is it? Do- Come on, just a quick overview. Is it doing its job too well? Is there such a thing? Go ahead. Yeah, it's 7 a.m. here in Los Angeles. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> but yes, uh, I'm a huge fan of marketing automation. But sometimes as a consumer, as a normal email reader, I sometimes wonder what were they thinking? So very powerful uh, when done right, but it's very, very easy to do it wrong. Very interesting. Powerful when done right, but easy to do it wrong. That probably should have been the subtitle of the show. I'll talk to Sylvie about that. Thank you very much, Neil. Great to have you back. One of our newcomers today is Kirill Kanazev. Kirill, I'm putting you on full speaker view. Please do me the honor of introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about Modally and what's your passion for marketing automation. Kirill, welcome. Thank you. Um, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited to share the stage with some of these talented marketing people. My name is Kirill Knyazov, and I am the marketing director at Modally. Modally is a property technology company, and we help uh, enterprise-level properties with HVAC maintenance, proactive repairs, <clears throat> and other technology needs on the HVAC side. And uh, I'm a huge proponent of marketing automation. It's really kind of helped me build my career on the digital marketing side. Um, agree with Neil, it could go a little bit too far and it has to be the, done the right way and it has to have the right people behind the machine to make it work the way that you want it to. Thank you very much. Okay, and let's go to Alicia Sigmila. Alicia, introduce yourself, please. Hi. And what's yes, your take? So what's your passion? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I'm so happy to be here. I know we've talked about me joining for some time, um, but hi, everyone. I'm Alicia Sigmiller. Of course, I'm with um, SAP. Um, currently, I am the digital um, enablement strategist, so I actually have a passion for marketing automation from the training and enablement side of it. Um, you know, really, uh, and we can get more into it later, I know that the transformation to marketing automation is, is a journey and um, to be able to kind of guide our, not just the technology, but the people um, to adapt to this new you know, way of marketing um, is kind of where my passion comes from. Um, and kind of like what Neil and, and Kirill have already said, I think it, it does kind of give in, it helps give insight into how well, not how well um, certain emails are being received or, or perceived, so. Thank you very much. And spammy or beneficial? Let me just take a, a show of hands here. If, you, if somebody said to you right now, at this moment in time, the way marketing automation is being used in the marketing industry, if, if there is such an industry, I know it's part of every industry. It's a function of every industry. But raise your hands. Is it more beneficial? Yes, raise your hand or more spammy. Beneficial first. More beneficial? 
Oops, there's my hand. Ah, okay. Looks like we have a consensus here, and we're going to go improve it for the rest of the show. Now, and thank you all for the introductions. Now is the time of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or a TV fictional character or from a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic today. I'm going to read the quote and a little bit of trivia about the source, which are they're very interesting, actually, and then ask whoever provided that quote, Neil's up first, to tell us in his own words what it does have to do with our topic. So the quote Neil sent is from the character Lloyd Hawley, played by Robert Baker. People are probably saying, what? Who's Lloyd Hawley? Okay. Computer salesman, a.k.a. tech evangelist, dressed like, I can say this, a Mormon missionary, extolling the godlike virtues of the computer to Don Draper, played by John Hamm on Mad Men TV. The final season, seven, episode four, The Monolith, aired May 4th. 2014, episode number 82, and it references the 1968 movie, The Monolith, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Here's the quote. This machine is intimidating because it contains infinite quantities of information, and that's threatening because human existence is finite. But isn't it godlike that we mastered the infinite? The IBM 360 can count more stars in a day than we can count in a lifetime. Oh my, Neil, this was interesting. I was fascinated with the background on this. We won't get into Mad Men, but I think I binged it in six weeks about three years ago. Fascinating series. Neil, rescue me. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, Bonnie D, uh, I, I'm a recent binge watcher of Mad Men, so it was sort of top of mind. And it's, you know, th- this particular episode in the quote, there's an IBM A360 uh, my father was a small business owner and he had this huge room with an IBM A360 in it. So I remember growing up that this room with one computer took up as much space as an office of maybe, you know, 10, 15 people. And the episode, you know, it, it's really uh, talking about this computer is going to take over the world. It's going to take over our jobs. You had one of the characters actually literally go crazy uh, and have to be sent to a, to an asylum um, because he, he just had these nightmares about the computer taking over and controlling his thoughts. And I think whenever there's new technology introduced, there's always sort of this societal pushback. I think most recently we see this with AI, artificial intelligence, exact same thing. It's going to take over our jobs. It's going to take over the world. I am a huge fan of AI because I've seen how it works and helps make my life as a marketer, as a business owner, better. Can actually leverage it to improve things. And I think the analogy with marketing automation is the same. Uh, It could be really scary. Can we automate everything? Can we automate, you know, human relationships? You can't. And therefore you always have to have a filter that says, if I'm in the shoes of the person receiving this, how is this going to be perceived? But I think like any other marketing activity, whether it's sending an email, a social media post, whether it's an event, if we always think of the end user in mind, we find ways of leveraging this very, very compelling technology, beginning with the computer and even with AI and with marketing automation in the middle, we can make it our own uh, and make it beneficial for everybody. Thank you very much. Put yourself in the shoes or the desk or the, the chair of the person who's going to receive it and not what your what your quota is. Interesting. And Neil, I just want to give the context. I didn't. Mad Men fictional ad agency. The time frame was March 1960 to November 1970. So think about what computers were or were not, did or did not mean to people at that point in time. And they were having it installed in their lounge. And people were saying, it's taking, we're not giving up our lounge. What would, what would the 
madmen of Madison Avenue who drink and smoke and do other things their way to their creativity do without their lounge. So that was that was the background, and it was seen as an OMG, how dare you, man, repl- man replaced by machine. That was the threat. So thank you. Great quote, Neil. There were so many great quotes from Madmen. I don't know how you found that one, but it was wonderful. So thank you very much, and let's go on. Kirill has sent us a quote from... Oh, John Keating, played by the late, very, very talented Robin Williams, who left us way too soon. The movie is Dead Poets Society, 1989. They call it a teen drama film, Kirill, but I think it's way more iconic and way more important in the impact of what was said in the movie than that. Uh, it was written by Tom Schulman, directed by Peter Weir. It's set in 1959 at a fictional elite conservative Vermont boarding school called the Welton Academy. The story of John Keating, Robert William- Robin Williams, who inspires his students to his teaching of poetry. It received all kinds of awards. So here is the quote. There's a time for daring and there's a time for caution. And a wise man understands which is called for. I'm getting goosebumps here, Carell. That's a beautiful quote. I don't know how you found it, but it's lovely. Carell, I'm putting you on speaker view. Please share with us what this has to do with our topic today. Thank you. Well, it's obviously, it's a great movie, right? It's a classic. And I happened to watch it recently. Um, obviously, the movie predates marketing automation by some time, but it's such a great quote that really transcends time and, and industries. But uh, the reality is marketing automation is much more than just email, right? It's uh, it's lead scoring, it's sales enablement. There's a whole lot of, of uh, opportunities that are created using this tool. But at the same time, you know, lots of companies really haven't embraced marketing automation because um, even in larger companies, especially in some larger companies, the uh, opportunity to, to take risk is a little bit less maybe in some of the smaller companies. So um, has mar- marketing automation has absolutely changed the game for me in my career. And I think it's applicable, but it has to be approached from a cautious standpoint because it requires a certain amount of resources to manage and implement um, it requires, you know, compliance within privacy guidelines. It requires some legal oversight potentially for larger customers. So, um, but you also can't get there without taking some risk, right? And taking calculated risk is is very important when uh, when trying something new. Absolutely. You have to have what my, my, my people call chutzpah. You have to be able to go a little bit out of the box, right? Think outside the box, walk outside the box, sit outside the box and say, this is something new. I think I can make it work for the good of everybody. Thank you very much, Kirill. Appreciate that. And Alicia has sent us a quote from a group. I probably have heard their songs, but didn't remember the name. The group is Expose with that lovely accent goo on the final E. It's an American Latin freestyle vocal group formed in 1984 in Miami, Florida, and it achieved much of their success they did between 1984 and 93. The first group to have four top 10 hits on the Billboard Hot 100 chart from their debut album, including the song Alicia is quoting, the 1988 hit Seasons Change. In 2015, the group was called by Billboard magazine, Alicia, the eighth most successful girl group of all time. I did not know that. You may not either. Here is the quote. It's four little words. I love the teeny tiny quotes we get sometimes. Seasons change, feelings change. Alicia, please relate this to our topic. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, first of all, I'm a huge music lover. (laughs) So I had to come and, and to me, music always resonates easily with people. And I think 
um, and and the, the song I chose probably dates me. Um, but I feel like with seasons change, I know of course it's it's a ballad. It's talking more about relationships and relationships change from here and there and it's it's really about how what do you do with that change um and so with marketing automation being such a norm in the industry now it's um you know kind of brings up that necessity to kind of adapt be agile with with that change and not just the change in technology and how it's helping our lives but how do we help the people change and um, you know, a lot of people tend to become very resistant to, to change. And so how do we supplement that or how do we support that and nurture that so that they reach that comfort zone, um, but also making them aware that they need to maintain that agility um, as that, like we were saying earlier, the buyer's journey changes and it evolves and progresses. So that's kind of what came to mind when I was thinking about that song. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you so much for your creativity in selecting the movie and the song quotes. Very appreciative. This is a, it's kind of an icebreaker, but it's a way for us to hear how you think poetically, prosaically, philosophically about the topic, backing into it from some culture. We used to, uh, Neil, I don't know if you were on these shows with me, but back in the day, which was just a couple of years ago, I've been doing this for a long time. We had quotes from Einstein and Mark Twain and Winston Churchill. And after a while, after 5,000 versions, of a Churchill quote, I'm thinking, we need to pep this up a little bit and give the audience something to think about. So Alicia, in particular, thank you for introducing me. I have to go listen to Expose now. I appreciate that very much. And Neil, a quick comment for you. Back in the day when computers were the size of a, a warehouse, I was a programmer analyst back in the day. I'm now considered, it took me a lifetime to be called an early woman in tech, not back quite as far as the Grace Hopper days, but I was a COBOL programmer on mainframe program, mainframe computers, the Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 and the IBM 4341 back in the days of Key Punch and the green bar paper and, and decoding and debunking and, and uh, yes, all of those good things. And I still have green bar paper and I have my COBOL handbook. So I remember when you walked into this emporium, really, it was a huge room and they had magnetic, it looked like the carpet lifters tools. Corel, I don't know if this resonates with you, they lifted up the tiles from the floor to get to the cables. Alicia, you probably weren't even born yet. To lift up the tiles on the floor to get to the cables that connected the computers. And we did have these big mainframe computers with blinking lights. And when I was in training, I have a couple of degrees in operations. I had to stand up on a step stool to load a disk pack into a disk drive. It was literally this big and you had to climb up and drop it in and then the machine would start reading the data on the, the disk pack. Fascinating day. So Neil, you brought back some, some very old memories. Thank you very much. Let's move on. This is the part of the show where we talk about discussion statements that my, my aunt panelists have sent me in advance on our topic. And if you're just tuning in, our topic is fascinating. We're talking about marketing automation. Is it beneficial? Is it spammy? Should you, your company, be using it? Should you be using it better than you are, if at all? And if you're using it, should you be using it in a different way? Seasons change, feelings change change from the expose 1988 song that Alicia Sigmiller has quoted. So, Neil, I'm going to start off with your statement number one. Uh, panelists, I'm putting the statement I've chosen from your list into the chat privately for you when we're ready, so there are no surprises here. Neil says the following, marketing automation is only as good as the quality and relevance of the list of subscribers you have gained. If you buy a list and automate messages being sent to it, it is clear spam. 
as people never explicitly expressed interest in your company to begin with. That's a loaded statement. Neil, unpack it for us, please, and then we'll go around the table. Kirill first, and then Alicia, I'll invite you to agree or disagree with Neil. Neil, you're up. Yeah, so I think it's really simple. The more I work in digital marketing, the more I realize the importance of analog relationships. It's all about relationship building. And the email is a great way to build a relationship over time. But in order to email someone, do you have a relationship? Uh, Have they opted into your communication or have they opted in to receive marketing communication from you? And I think that's really where we must start. Uh, There are a lot of companies that offer lists. There are sites that say, hey, you can send this communication even if they have not opted into a list. And there is sort of this, uh, I guess we can call it a loophole, where you could message companies at mass trying to build a relationship with this, hey, if you don't want to hear from me anymore, here's an unsubscribe link. So there is a loophole to get around that. But the problem is if you begin to automate that, and I get these and maybe some of you all the time, they reach out to me once, if I don't respond in a week, a second time and a third time. The funny thing is when people do this to me, I have my assistant respond to see if they're smart enough to realize that I had responded, but I I did not respond directly to their email. And most of them are, it's so automated, they don't realize that. And I get email after email after email, even though I've responded to them. So they go to what I call the black hole where I never hear from them again. But this is the thing, it's about the relationship. And that's where it begins. Do you have permission? Even if you have permission, you didn't give people permission to spam you, right? So it's really about better understanding the person on the other end. What sort of communication would do they want to hear from you, right? Uh, and I think it's really starting very, very holistically when we begin to architect and not just marketing automation, but really email marketing in general. I think it's going to help improve everybody's email marketing and therefore marketing automation because it's it's garbage in, garbage out, quality in, quality out. Geigo, garbage in, garbage out. I remember that from my programming days. You put you know what into it and that's exactly what you're going to get out of it. Kirill, ready for you? Agree or disagree with Neil Schaefer? Kirill, go ahead. Uh, I think Neil said a lot of really interesting things there, and it's a lot to to unpack. Uh, I would say that I agree with a lot of it. I would say that I hard agree with um, wanting to ultimately get permission from people before contacting them. I think, you know, there are laws in place, especially in Europe, to protect people from, you know, unsolicited and unwanted contact. Um, That said, you know, I I do think that there's some gray area for some companies that... um, may not necessarily have the opportunity or the runway to generate organic opt-ins through their website or SEO, whatever whatever it is, to start communicating with potential customers, right? So um, a lot of it really does come down to doing the, the, the basic primary research to understand who the audience is, right? And targeting the value proposition and message in such a way that resonates with them. And I think what Neil said was really important is that the distinction, even if somebody opts into communication from you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't going to send them the wrong message and that you aren't going to spam them. So whether someone opted in or opted out of communication, I think that there is kind of a permissions um, issue there. But what it ultimately comes down to for me is really getting that right message at the right time. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about that down the road here. Thank you very much. Good insights. Agree or disagree with either or both, Alicia, with Neil and or with Kirill. Go ahead, Alicia. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would have to agree um, with what both Kirill and, and Neil have said. I think there is, it's kind of that fine line. There are the data privacy policies that are now in place, which makes, you know, kind of puts the gates up a little bit and makes it a little bit harder or more challenging for marketers. But at the same time, it also enables them to, you know, be a bit more um, on the ball in terms of, you know, who they're actually or more targeted, maybe I should say, of who they're actually reaching out to. Um, and then also keeping in mind that even though we do have that targeted audience and you have that permission to reach out to them, it also, like Neil mentioned, going back to email marketing in general, it's about, you know, just because you have the opt-in doesn't mean that the material you send to them is going to be what they're looking for or what they're really interested. It's really also keeping in mind the customer um, interest and, you know, what are they really interested in? Um, what's the, what's going to maintain that interest along the way? Um, so I definitely agree with what they've said. And it is definitely a combination of that data privacy um, fence or, or wall um, and also making sure that you have that right material and getting it to them at the right time. Thank you very much, Neil. Good conversation starter. Anything you would like to share back with your co-panelists, Neil? Um, no, I, you know, I, I think a good dose of common sense would, would help a lot of marketers that are, are working with this, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I really do think it starts with that, having that permission and really thinking is what benefit does this communication have? I know it has benefit for your company, but what potential benefit does it have for the end user? So uh, I think Crow made a great point, the right message at the right time. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of like the core commandments of how to do marketing automation in a, in a good way. And my question to all of you is if you buy a list, even if it's a list you think is a good one, how can you possibly know what message is going to be for the right message for anybody, any company, any person, any team on that large list at the right time? You, it, it's impossible to know. So that leads me to our next statement. And Kirill, I'm looking at the statements you said. Let's go with statement number two. You say segmenting and understanding the audience is paramount in understanding each prospect's or customer's needs and allows me, you as the marketer, to address their needs based on their behaviors. Let's dive into this. I thought that was a nice segue. So Kirill, go ahead. You're up. And then Alicia, I'll ask you to agree or disagree and Neil will wrap this one up. Go ahead, Kirill. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very natural transition, right? Um, Marketing automation as a whole, not just the email component, that does require some preparation to undertake, right? And for me, um, anytime that I've worked with different companies, the first thing that we always do is look at the database, right? It always comes down to what's in the database, what's available, um, who do we have in the database, who are those people and what are their roles, how do the value proposition speak to those people. So we spent quite a bit of time analyzing before we make any moves on the marketing automation side to make sure that we really understand who is our audience, right? So um, it could be done with surveys, it could be done by segmentation, by mm-hmm. looking at our database and saying, you know, is this a decision maker? Is this a gatekeeper? Is this a champion? You know, what tier of, of conversation mm-hmm. does this person require? So. When we're talking about messaging, understanding the audience and specifically what their day-to-day problems are and sometimes putting ourselves in their shoes gives us the ability to a little bit better understand the type of message that is going to resonate with them. 
You know, if we, even if we have the same uh, value proposition, different messaging is going to d- resonate different with, differently with different people within the organization, right? So that's where segmentation and looking at engagement through uh, listening tools like HubSpot provides to their marketing automation to see what content are these people engaging with on your website? What content are they engaging with on social media? And then over time, you start to kind of learn more about your audience and who they are as people because... Marketing automation to me is successful when it's personal, right? But not creepy personal. It's really when you understand your customer and what they're, how they're engaging with your brand and then providing the right messaging at the right time. Kirill, whose job is it to do all of this? We're going to go around the table, but whose job? We say we and you and my company and us. Who is there a person who is the, the, the chief data segmentation or audience segmentation officer? Do we need a new seat at the C table, at the, at the C suite? Whose job is it, Kirill? You know what? I love that question. And uh, in my experience, it's really been a joint team effort, right? So on my side, it's communicating with the sales team and having almost daily outreach with the frontline personnel that are communicating with our customers or potential customers. Mm-hmm. It's also communicating with the operations and customer service team to understand what are our customers' problems that they are dealing with every day. So um, I think it's marketing, I think it's sales, and I think it's it's customer service. Those are the, the three uh, the three uh, trifecta of marketing automation success, I would say. Very well put. Thank you, Alicia. You are virtually right at this moment in time, sitting right next to Kirill, whether you know it or not, <laughs> as we move around the table. Alicia, yeah. agree or disagree with Kirill? Well, Go if, ahead. If you could see me while Kirill was talking, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep, totally agree. <laughs> um, segmentation is crucial. It's It really does allow us to know who our audience is, um, not just to know who they are, but it's like, you know, who are the end users? Who are the decision makers? Who's actually, and how do we cater to those folks? Um, but not, and it also is looking at, it's looking at the audience from maybe the function perspective, but also segmentation can be used to, you know, address maybe the intent, you know, of uh, for, for for like what are they looking towards or what are some of the interests that they're that they're looking at? Um, so really, I, I totally agree with Kirill in terms of you know taking the time to. Um, for me, I think it's really important that you take the time to apply that to segmentation because it's. Uh, let's be honest with marketing automation, it's no longer the um, what what do they say? It's not the spray and pray kind of approach, right? So it's like, you have to be a little bit more, it allows us to be a bit more strategic, but from a technology perspective, it it eases the process once you've kind of set your de- your ducks in a row, which one of those ducks, uh, main ducks is segmentation. So I totally agree with, with what Grill was mentioning. Thank you. Neil Schaefer, join us. Third part of our trifecta, tri- tri- trifecta. go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, Bonnie, do you absolutely agree? And I, I, I like to really dumb down these concepts. And it, it's really easy. Are you targeting multiple user personas? Well, then each one of them has a different way to communicate. Each one of them might be interested in a different product. Do you sell multiple products, right? If someone bought product A, they might not be interested in product B. And so if you're sending the same message and you're not segmenting, you're completely missing the boat. The beautiful thing is that marketing automation technology allows you to ensure that if you properly segment things, the proper person can get the proper message. So yeah, uh, it, it's really a, a no-brainer, uh, but it's very, very easy 
to do things wrong, to just do that spray and pray because you have access to this huge list. So it takes a little bit of work. As Carol was saying, you know, ask surveys, uh, you know, tag people when they're on your website, if, if you have cookie-based permission, obviously. Uh, you know, what has been their activity in terms of opening what emails, clicking on what links, et cetera, et cetera. You try to build from this database, which is critical, and better understand, you know, who that person is, what they might be interested in. And from there, you architect what that journey is going to be in marketing automation. So agree 100%. Thank you. When I was waiting for somebody to bring up the word personas, I worked for very large companies in marketing, big enterprises where we actually had, well, in person before all this online webinars, we had where you sit down in a conference room with a bunch of marketing people. We would have a picture of who is John Smith and what does John buy and where does John shop and what does he do for his company and how does he like to receive his messages and and who is Mary Jones and these were all fictitious and they had names and they had fictitious faces and very very interesting you built a character is that still done Kirill are, are people still doing those persona building anybody I mean probably not with pictures at this point but <laughs> but we do definitely do persona building <laughs> Very interesting. I've I've done. I had my own stand-up comedy troupe years ago, and I learned improvs from some big people at Chicago Second Second City and and those kinds of uh, event places where people did improv. Really, really good trainers, and we learned to build a profile of a character we were going to put into an improv situation. And you built the character probably similar to a marketing profile. Is where did they grow up? Really, really ground up. Where did they grow up? Uh, what did they have for breakfast? Where did they go to school? What languages did they learn? What newspapers do they read? Where do they buy their shoes? What do they like for, for Friday night dinner after a long day of work? What is their music taste? And you built a character based on who you, how you were going to play that character in an improv sketch or in a comedy sketch. And it was fascinating because it was persona building in a, a microcosmic way separate from the business of understanding marketing segmentation. So anybody wants to learn to do that, take improv and then go be a marketer. There you go. I think it's all related. Acting is part of who we are. Let's move on. Uh, Kirill, are you good with uh, the conversation here? I think it was a good discussion. Anything you want to add? I love it. I think uh, one thing that Neil said really resonates with me and I, I find myself going back to this all the time and that is just common sense <laughs> is really important in marketing and, and especially marketing automation. Thank you very much. There's not enough of that going around. I, I think we're going to use this as a common sense episode. Thank you very much. Alicia, I'm looking at your statement number two. This is interesting. I'm going to read it, but there's one part in the second part of the statement that I really want you to focus on. You say marketing automation is now considered to be an industry norm. And you got that comment from GNW Consulting. It's all about maximizing the power of your existing marketing Manpower, person power through the use of a robust marketing automation strategy. And that's what we're here to talk about. But here's where you go that I'd love you to explore. Alicia says, with the pandemic, many events were converted to digital events. Marketing automation played an effective role in the pre-event, post-event, and during-event activities. Interesting way to look at this. Alicia, please help us out. What you got? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think the whole pandemic has I think this has had an impact on many companies, um, like all the big, huge annual, you know, shows and events that have happened in person. It was huge for companies to turn those into virtual events. And so 
Um, what I've seen is marketing mm-hmm. automation has definitely played a role mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, it's it's one thing to not be able to see face to face and get that, you know, face to face time with mm-hmm. these customers or contacts. Um, but using auto- marketing automation to really kind of um, observe the the, uh, the the journey of these virtual events. So you can use marketing automation to kind of, you know, do the pre-event things, you know, sending the reminders, sending, you know, just <clears throat> getting the excitement going. Um, and then during the event, everything's virtual. You don't, it's really hard to gauge on um, how much engaged are these contacts? How do we keep them engaged throughout the event? And then after the event, you know, we noticed, oh, X number of folks um, registered. But then at the end, we only got a certain percentage that actually attended. How can we kind of regain their their interest? Or what, what can we do to, with those insights to, you know, further, further nurture them? Um, so it's really played, I, you know, I see that it's played a, an important role with, this whole shift with the pandemic and switching over to digital events. Thank you. Great insights and a very, very timely and relevant aspect for our topic, Alicia. I'm glad you brought that up. Neil, you're virtually sitting right next to Alicia right at this moment in time. So why don't you go ahead and agree or disagree? Neil Schaefer. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think it's a compelling use case scenario. And for all the B2B marketers that are listening in, obviously, where do a lot of B2B leads come from? Well, before coronavirus, they came from events, right? Uh, and without them, they, they have gone virtual. And email is just a, a, a critical way. In fact, it's a really convenient way. Physically, we have people that check in and we read the barcode when they go into a room. Well, we can be doing the same thing virtually uh, and, and keeping in touch with them and understanding how they resonated. I'd say, you know, we can apply the same concept to when they came to our website, what did they do? Did they put something in the shopping cart and then abandon it? And we can obviously initiate abandoned shopping cart emails as well. So I, I think it's a great way to think about how to digitally engage based on activity. And with a virtual event, the more complex it is, the more different rooms that people have to separately register for, you can get some great information uh, and understand how to better serve them after the event, as well as if they fell off, as uh, Alicia was talking about, how to better get them engaged again. So yeah, I, I, I think it's all great. Thank you very much. Alicia, good conversation started. Kirill, join us. Thoughts, please. You're up. I have to agree. And we utilize uh, pre-event marketing, marketing automation quite a bit. Um, the advantage there is that if we have a very healthy database and we know the accounts that are going to be at an event, we could potentially invite the right decision makers prior to the event using our existing database without having to rely on list acquisition or anything like that. So um, I absolutely very much uh, agree with Alicia there. In terms of virtual events themselves, I haven't seen uh, in our industry, which is very niche, uh, a ton of results from virtual events, just in terms of lead generation, et cetera. So I think it's really going to vary industry by industry. But um, I do love the point that both Alicia and Neil made about being able to track activity during virtual events through marketing automation software and utilize that. I think that's a very smart take. Thank you very much, Alicia. Your topic comments back to Neil and or Kirill. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think this is this is great. And I think it's just really, aside from just the digital event thing, just uh, I think digital events is just another scenario that is um, a way to kind of mm-hmm. get folks to understand that it is the norm um, today. 
just became really popular in the past year and a half. I have a question for all of you. I've worked for big companies. You all know I was at SAP for nine years. Now I'm an independent broadcaster. But I know when I was running events, uh, which we called webinars back in the day, I don't think we had video. It was audio. And we would hire, other companies did this too, obviously, where I worked. We would hire a company that would say, I can get you a thousand names to sign up for your your online event, right? And they would say, okay, we can increase your your potential participation from, let's say, 100 people to 500 people. I'll make it a little more realistic. And they would come to us and they would say, we signed up all these people here event. We would still get about a, what, 1% to 3% actual attendance rate. And a lot of people, of course, would say, yeah, they click on, they go out of the room and do something else and you never hear from them again. Was that, was that, spammy? Was that real? We're talking before we were talking about marketing automation with a capital M and a capital A. Let's just quickly go around the table because I'm in, I always doubted whether that was just a, yeah, we'll go out and buy a list and we'll tell them they have to sign up for your event. Neil, what was that? And then we'll ask Carilla and, and Alicia. Neil, what do you think? Well, it sounds a little fishy uh, to say the least. And I think one to 3%, I mean, I don't know, Alicia, if you do a lot of virtual events in Krill, I think for the the webinars, virtual events that I do, it's still 20, 30% is still pretty much the norm for attending. So one to 3% combined with it sounding a little fishy makes it sound even more fishy. I think I was thinking of email responses, one to 3%, but 20% oh, sounds gosh. about right. Yeah, I apologize for that. Kirill, what's your thought about companies that say, we'll boost your attendance, we'll just buy a list and real, bogus, spammy, what do you think? Yeah, so I have a, maybe a little bit different take. My, my experience tells me that most of the companies that are advertising qualified lead lists, et cetera, are using a lot of predictive analytics to generate emails, right? So they, these are not necessarily real emails. And I've purchased these lists before and we've run them through email verification and a lot of them just come back absolute garbage. So I love that there are services like email verification that are available now so that you can look at that. But I have yet to find a single company that straight up offers, you know, to sell you leads or, or, or contact lists that has produced any sort of value. Um, where I have seen success with this is industry databases, right? There are, in some industries, real-time databases that capture data about their potential, uh, about your potential customers, and then they offer that to you on a subscription basis. And I found the, uh, that data to be of much higher quality within our industry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that mo- whenever somebody's messaging you on LinkedIn and offering you uh, 10 times the leads that you have right now, that's probably, you know, not, not a real opportunity. Thank you, Alicia. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, I would say that I, I don't just, I don't necessarily discourage the list, you know, but I do, the reality is that the rates are still fairly low. Um, I would say more so maybe it's a, if you were to kind of do it in a combination of approach where you are kind of getting, mm-hmm. gathering these lists, but, you know, kind of buttering it up a little bit, you know, applying some segmentation to that, you know, not just necessarily taking the list as is. um, But I think you can definitely use those lists as a, as a a basis. Um, But yeah, I would say generally, I agree. It's, it does come across as pretty much more spammy still, I think. 
Thank you. So don't bake the cake right out of the box. Add the extra egg, add a little bit of oil, add a little bit of maybe some real chocolate chips or real blueberries. We'll leave that one alone. Thank you. I'm on low carb. I gave up a lot of that baking, so I'm just going to talk about it now. Let's move on. Neil, we have time, I think, for one or two more topics. I'm looking at statement number three from your list, and you say, considering the high ROI of email marketing, return on investment, when enhanced with segmentation and personalization capabilities of marketing automation, an already industry-leading high ROI can become that much higher. Neil, unpack. What are we talking about here? Yeah, when you compare the different ways of marketing, the different expenses, what have you, uh, marketing automation email marketing is real simple. It's pretty much a fixed cost, right? Now there's additional cost of people that have to manage the system, write emails, what have you, but it's pretty much fixed versus a Google ads or social media ads, uh, or you know, the more you spend, uh, the more sales you might get or, or you may not get. So because email marketing can be relatively inexpensive in comparison, um, that's where I think the, the large ROI comes from. It, it, it's a really relatively low expense for what you can get. The bigger your list, obviously, the more advantage you have. Marketing automation now allows you to really leverage that list to be able to keep in better with them. So you can have a list of customers and never email them. You can email them when there is, you know, something abandoned in the shopping cart. You can email them to say, hey, it's been 30 days or it's been 90 days or it's been six months, wanted to check up on you uh, to see how you're enjoying the product. You know, uh, if, if you need a replacement, here's a 10% off coupon. It could be a way to say, hey, we noticed that you've purchased X dollars amount from us over the past year and we'd like to invite you to our new loyalty program. There are so many different ways. I mean, it's, you know, we're all human beings, right? There's so many different ways you can communicate with people when you have your system, your marketing automation architected in a way where you can continue to reap more and more ROI from that list and from that software just by enacting new automations based on, you know, creativity of, of offering value um, and so forth. So I think it, it's really incredible. The clients I work with, you know, we start with the minimum and it seems like with every new automation that we add, where we offer new value, we can generate more and more and more sales from it. At least that's what my experience has been. So i uh, love to hear what our other panelists have to say. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Karel, talk to us. What do you think? I remember going to a marketing conference in probably around 2011, 2012, where someone boldly proclaimed that email marketing was dead and that social media was king and that we should all forget about emailing people because people don't check their email, which I think we all know, you know, 10 years later that that's absolute rubbish, right? Um, email is still uh, very much a very high ROI source. And uh, the reason for that is that you own that data, right? That data exists in your own database and you're not having to rely on other platforms to generate leads, et cetera. So, um, and as, as we mentioned before, the more you know your audience, the better your automation becomes over time. So 100% agree with Neil. I think it's, uh, it's a great channel and it's, it's king. Thank you for the bold statement. Rubbish. Yes, we are still using email and we are still answering. We are still checking. Alicia, weigh in. Agree or disagree with either or both. Lots to talk about. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, you know, with with the right strategy in place, um, I mean, marketing automation, we, we talked about it, you know, really kind of being beneficial from a 
you know, making our lives easier, making it more automated. But it's also at the same time, not a magic hat that you kind of, you know, expect things to just kind of appear. Um, so I do think that if you have put in that time to put, you know, have the right strategy in place for marketing automation, then definitely when it comes to the ROI side of things, increasing sales productivity, um, you know, reducing overhead and, you know, in a sense, um, I totally agree. I totally agree in, in that sense. Thank you very much. I think the word of the day is rubbish, Kirill. Sylvia and I were chatting. Yeah, that, that's going to be a good one. Uh, Neil, this was your topic. Briefly agree back with your panelists? Agree or disagree with anything they said? Anything you'd like to add? No, I, I you know, completely agree. And yeah, I, the comparison with social media is funny because we talk about how big Facebook is and all that. But, the, you know, there's more email users than social media users, you could look this up on the internet. So uh, that that to me is the biggest platform that you can be targeting. So yeah, I mean, put everything, really, if you can compare all your expenses and all your sales, if you don't believe in any of this, just go ahead and do that. And I think you'll see the tremendous ROI without a doubt, almost guaranteed for every organization listening compared to other channels. Thank you very much. Good insights all. We have time for another topic. Kirill Knazev at Modally. Let's look at statement number four. This is an important part. We always want to bring it back to people, real people. You say automation programs need human, I'm going to add real human oversight to ensure the cadence, the tone, the value of the messages are adjusted to align with real customer and prospect needs. So why don't we talk about the human part of this, Kirill? Uh, we've got six minutes left to the show, so I'll give you about two and then a quick around the table with Alicia and Neil, and then we'll wrap. Go ahead, Kirill. Yeah, I think in the early stages of marketing automation, when it was email marketing, a lot of people were concerned that marketing automation was coming and it's going to take over people's jobs and it's going to make marketing people obsolete. What has actually happened so far that I've found is that marketing automation has actually made my job a lot easier, where before it was a lot of importing and exporting Excel spreadsheets and manually looking through just absolute uh, ridiculous amounts of data, uh, data points to figure out what's working and what isn't. And now marketing automation has really simplified that process. But at the same time, human oversight is just as important as it always has been because uh, marketing automation success depends on clean data, right? So doing things like removing duplicates so you're not hitting the same people uh, with messages multiple times, making sure that their contact information is up to date. If somebody has gotten a promotion, you don't want to address them as you know a manager when they're now a director. Um, so for us, it's, there, is, there is a lot of actually somewhat manual work that goes into managing databases, but we want to make sure that when we are reaching out to somebody that we are talking to them like we are a real person and it's not uh, it's not just some sort of spam-generated uh, emails. Thank you. I love it when I get Dear Mr. Graham. I love those emails I used to get. Dear Mr. Really really nice, really thoughtful. Uh, Alicia comments on what Kirill just shared. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny that this statement came up because I was just, you know, mentioning that it's, yeah, marketing automation is not this magic hat. There's so many different components that, that um from the, the human factor, right? Where you have to kind of set it up, you know, in order for it. Once everything's set up, then it's great. You know, it's everything's automated and we're able to kind of, you know, push our contacts through like a nurture program automatically. But before that, you know, going back to like segmentation, making sure that we know our audience, not only knowing our audience, but how do we personalize our emails? Like not so that it doesn't show mis 
you know, dear Mr. Graham, <laughs> you know, <laughs> being able to test our emails before we even send it out. You know, are the emails that we're co- uh, creating, are they going to come across as spammy? And if they are, let's make those changes before we actually put those emails into our campaign flow. Um also encompassing like content score, uh, contact scoring, you know, scoring the, the journey of these contacts and making sure that we're actually following up with them at the right time. Um, so I totally agree with Kirill that it, there is a lot of human effort that's required, but once it's actually put into place, then it definitely not only makes everything automated for us and our jobs, jobs easier, you'll also see the, the results that you're, that you're looking for from a, a marketing perspective. Thank you very much. Neil, comments? you got two minutes. Go. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. It, it has, you have to have a human-centric approach. I've seen companies, they begin, wow, we can do this, this, and this. Let's like orchestrate this amazing automation. But did anybody say, hey, wait a minute. What if we're the recipient? What does that look like? And that's really the big question. Walk yourself through all these scenarios that you're creating. Do they make sense? And some of them simply don't. So you really have to think about, does someone really want to receive an email from you on a daily basis? Are you giving them? One thing I always recommend to my clients is, hey, give people, if they think you're communicating with them too frequently, but they want to stay in touch, give them the opportunity to do so. Give them the control. Hey, click here. And you can set a tag to maybe email them less frequently or what have you. So I think having that human-centric approach requires a little bit more work, even though it's marketing automation. But as my other panelists have said, the ROI is after that, you know you're in good hands. You know that it's it's a well-oiled machine. But in order to get there, yes, it does require human intervention, human management, a little bit of work. But it is more than worth it. Canola oil or extra virgin California olive oil. There we go. We want to do the healthy oil. Quick question for all of you. We've got just about two minutes left. First, Neil, then Kirill, then Alicia. If we met again, uh, let's say January 2025, which isn't that far away, would we still be talking about marketing automation? Or would it be just everybody's doing it, everybody knows how to do it? Or will there be some new kid on the block in terms of something else, the new shiny object for marketing? Neil, yes or no? Will we still be talking about it? Or will it be something else? Yes or no? Feet, feet, go ahead. We'll still be talking about it. There is always a text marketing and there's always things like Facebook Messenger marketing and chatbots, but email marketing and marketing automation is still gonna be alive and well. Will every company have adopted it by then? Probably not. Just like other digital marketing concepts like search engine optimization, these are evergreen, every company needs it, not every company adopts it or does it as well. So I think we're gonna be having a similar conversation in a few years. Thank you. Kirill, yes or no? Will we still be talking about it in 2025? 100%. Um, I think Neil touched on this a little bit earlier in the conversation, but with uh, very rapid advancements in machine learning and AI technology, I think that marketing automation is going to not only get bigger, but much better um, in the very near future, right? We're seeing advances in that technology constantly in different products and different startups that are popping up. So are we going to be talking about the same marketing automation platforms in two years or four years? I don't know, but, um, but automation is definitely here to stay. Thank you. Alicia, 30 seconds. You're up. Go. Yeah, definitely. Um, this transformation is could be a multi-year transformation. It's not overnight. Um, so, and like and like Neil said and Kirill said, not everybody's going to be on that train. Um, so definitely it's going to be a, a topic 
in the next week. Thank you. Thanks all for fielding that interesting crystal ball question. I appreciate that. You've been listening to Changing the Game with Digital Engagement. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to my three very special guests, Neil Schaefer, Neil, wave goodbye, and Kirill Kanazev at Modally, wave goodbye, Alicia Sigmiller at SAP, wave goodbye, and also shout out to Sylvie Lexo, our showrunner who has been watching and chatting with me, and our engineer, Aaron Keller. Glad you got over that that thing you had, Aaron, and we're glad you're back. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Go out and be a game changer today. Have a good one. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.